team, welcome to another episode of the Rugby Journey Podcast. Today, with a very good friend of mine, a uh, guy I used to go to school with actually at Epping Boys, uh, the mighty Ed Craig. Ed Craig, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on, Nick. Oh, mate, my pleasure. So I forgot, for you guys who don't know, um, Ed Craig, uh, very recently, as, as of earlier in this year, played Super Rugby for the Reds. Uh, he's also playing first grade at the moment for the mighty Eastwood Rugby Club. And also, we, we were in the same year at Epping Boys High together. It played uh, some school uh, some schoolboys rugby and some Aussie 20s rugby as well. So this guy knows what he's talking about, hence the reason he's on my show. So, <laughs> um, Ed, look, first question, pretty straightforward. Ask it with everybody. Tell us about your rugby journey, mate. Go from, I guess, what got you into rugby to where you are now with the Reds. Yeah, right. Um, my rugby journey is pretty, pretty long, slow and boring. Uh, similar to a lot of a lot of blokes, um, I grew up grew up playing, you know, just club footy. Played for my local club, Hillview, which I think is now Central Eastwood or something. You know, it's one of the teams that's kind of folded and had to combine. Um, and I played played that all the way all the way through from you know under under the sevens all the way through to seventeens, because uh, you know obviously not going to a GPS school, I could keep playing Saturday footy. Um, but I didn't I didn't really you know excel early or anything. I didn't make that many rep teams, you know. I might make the kind of the zone side, but didn't really, um, yeah, make it much further than that. Um, and then in, uh, I think about under under fifteens, in the under sixteens, I played a season where I was playing flanker at uh, at club, and I was playing hooker at school, and I'd grown up playing flanker, and then I eventually kind of switched to playing full time hooker, and that's when things kind of took off. I think that was a bit of a tactical decision because we knew, uh, you know, Dad knew there was some there was some a lot of good flankers out there. Any bloke who reckons he's good at footy plays flanker. So um, yeah, switched to hooker and made made a couple of rep teams. But um, yeah, year eleven was probably where it really started to kick off. Where I played, you know, CHS and New South Wales. I didn't make New South Wales schoolboys. I made like the barbarians kind of team. Um, they called it combined states. I think I think it's still a thing. I don't know if they call it combined. It might be just Australian barbarians or something. Yeah, I think it's just barbarians. Yeah, um, and that was fun. And then I sat there in um the they have the comp down at Riverview, and we sat there in the big great hall, and they read out name by name the the schoolboys for that year. And I didn't make it, obviously, and um and not making it that year, I was kind of okay with it because I knew I had another year. But um that was when I was like, all right, well, I'm going to give this a real crack. And if I if I make it next year, if I'm in this same hall and they call my name out, then I'll, I'll give footy a go. And if I don't, then it's not meant to be. Because um, at that time, you know, I, I was still thinking I was going to grow up and be a rock star. <laughs> I, thought, <laughs> I thought my band was going to make band. the big, yeah, that's the, right. we're have yeah. a break and we're going to tour the world playing the drums. But that that wasn't to be. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I had a lot of luck in year 12 and, um, you know, had a few injuries and things. It broke out an eye socket and got knocked out and had a bunch of other kind of little niggles here and there. Um and in the end, it was a bit of a Harry Houdini story. No, what's the what's that ice skater that came? Oh, uh, oh, um, um, a Bradbury. A Bradbury. Uh, Bradbury. I did a bit of Stephen Bradbury in that. You know, things worked out just in time. A bunch of other guys got injured. My name got read out in that um in that hall the next year, and so I was like, all right, we're on. We'll give it a crack. Um, and luckily, Alex Murphy was mm. was picked in that same team, but um, I get, yeah, he was injured uh, when we actually played it. So um, so yeah, I got the starting role there with the schoolboys. Yeah, cool. And um. And again, yeah. So I wasn't really first pick. I was probably more, you know, fourth, fourth pick maybe. <laughs> yeah. But um, there just, you know, happened to be a lot of other injuries and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then same story, you know, went back to Clubland and played Colts for a year. Uh, then went and started playing grade the next year, and um, you know, initially wasn't really picked in the Australian under twenty squad. I'd, I'd done the New South Wales twenty stuff, 
Um, and then they had a few injuries and, um, yeah, I got, right. I got called in to a training camp. And then when they were over, the, the comp was in Manchester that year, the World Cup. And uh, they needed an extra hooker for the last, like, you know, was it two weeks of the comp? So I flew over and um, got to be a bench warmer for, for two games and, and got off the game, got off the, the bench against New Zealand for about five minutes. Mm. So capped, but, uh, you know, it was kind of just luck of the draw. Um, and that's, yeah, that's kind of what my story's been. It's always been just sticking <laughs> out, doing the hard yards and um, getting a late call up. That's been yeah. my, yeah, and the same thing with the Reds this yeah, year, you know. Right. So after, after 20s, I just plugged away at, um, at club rugby for a number of years. Um, and this would be my, this is my sixth year just kind of playing first grade. Um, that being said, the first couple of years were, were tough where I had, um, I had Hugh Roach and Damien Fitzpatrick mm. who were both the, the Tars, you know, two of the three Tars hookers at the time. Yeah. And, um, and we'd find out on Thursday whether one or two of them were going to be back at Eastwood, you know, depending on selections. Right. So some weeks I was starting first grade and then some weeks I was playing second grade and not even, really? and not even reserving first grade because, you know, they had, Fitzy starting approach on the bench, yeah. or yeah, that two yeah. worked up, which was awesome. And they're they're really good guys, um, and I look after them. And like Roach is still kind of in the mix; he's there training. He's um, yeah, not playing with us at the moment, but like it's it's good to have those guys around. And I I learn a lot and just was inspired by seeing them play well. Um, but yeah, it was tough because it, it was about two or three years where um I'd find out on Thursday if I was playing first or seconds, and I never really, you know, knew what I was doing or, or felt at home in either team, um. But yeah, so that was that was a kind of the, the the toughest kind of hardship I've been through. But other than that, like it's been pretty cruisy. Um, and then similar thing, you know, this year the Reds had uh, Brandon Pangiamosa, you know, BPA. He had an injury, and uh, I think he syndesmosis on his ankle, you know, bad ankle roll, stretched ligaments, and so they needed a, a hooker for a little bit because they um, were a bit short on depth there, and mm. went up on initially like a, just a four week contract and. Um, uh, the school I work at was lucky enough to, um, to you know, give me leave. They said, "Yep, go away, do that," and then and then you know we'll be waiting when you get back. And so I was there for ended up being five weeks, pushed it another week, and then um, managed to. I sat on the bench for four games and came off for two, mm. and uh, got knocked out on my first ever tackle. <laughs> <laughs> so I was I was going to get a good twenty twenty five minutes of that game, but I got knocked out and had to do the HIA right. test. And came back with um, two minutes to go or something. Didn't you? Yeah, well, because. Yeah. In the end, it wasn't really that bad of a knock. It was it just, you know, you'd call it more of a head knock, a bit of a rattle. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And uh, didn't have any memory loss or, or balance loss, so they um, chucked me back on. Yeah, uh, right. It was, it was a good knock. I think if had it not been a super game, I probably would have said, no, nah, I'll just, just wait till next week. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Um, well, I saw I saw the tackle and because, um, you know, I told, uh, told the team that uh, the guys at home that, you know, you were jumping on and all that sort of stuff, so... We was one of the actual probably only Reds games I've ever ever watched. I think, but um, uh, we yeah. came on and we were like, "Oh, cool!" You know, like I think you guys were up by like fifteen or twenty or something. And I was like, "Oh, they're bringing Ed on. Oh, this would be good fun." And like the, the first hit, you get knocked out. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, well, <laughs> there it yeah. is." And then then you came back on, and then um, we saw you at the end of the end package doing sprints or something. Is it like a cool down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um. You seem to be just like looking around, like shit. Where did everybody go? Like, <laughs> so we were um, no, but it was good. Like, I, I mean, um, yeah. Look, I, I think it's amazing that I got to at Epping sort of see your development as a player. I really like, as you said, when I first met you at Epping, you were a flanker um, and a pretty sizey flanker too. And then you moved into 
I think you started at prop one year, didn't you? Yeah, played a season on loose head. Yeah, yeah. That was good because we didn't have any loose heads. That's right. We weren't really playing against superstars, so it yeah. wasn't too hard to just jump in there and fill the role. Yeah, and then the next, and then I think the, so you, so you started playing first grade in year 10, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I think the first couple of years, uh, you were named sort of like the, in the leadership group as like the junior captain or or whatever whatever they gave you. Um, but it was good because, you know, it, um, I think I think all of us sort of had faith that you were going to to make schoolboys. Um and even after the first year, like you, like you said, like you probably knew that it probably was was a good thing in a sense. I think a lot of us as well at school knew that too. I think we thought of thought like, well, Ed's still got another year. Like he's still going to come in and, and do his thing and, and blah, blah. And um, another person who I thought was very unlucky not to make it was Cosy because he played really well that year as well, Daniel Cosgrove, yeah, yeah. who's playing, playing first grade for... Woods, is uh, yeah, he's grade? been up and down. Been up yeah, and down, yeah, yeah, yeah. Playing uh, seconds this week, but he's yeah played a handful of first grade games this year. Yeah, cool. Yeah, but he was one of those guys where it, like just yeah injuries kind of got him down. Mm. And I think to be a good rugby player, you got to have ability. But if you're not actually on the park, then it's a bit tough to to be a good yeah. footy player. You yeah. know, like it's a bit about injury and luck as well as mm. just natural ability. Well, I heard I heard a great quote the other day. He said the best ability for an athlete is availability. Mm. So that's I mean for me that's exactly what you've been I, I can't really remember a time where you knock on wood had an injury uh, for a long period of time that that took you out so no i've been very very lucky i don't think i've i haven't missed a game with injury for i think like three or four years yeah um that being said i've had it yeah a couple of head knocks spaced out um but they always happen to happen the week before we have a bye yeah or, or the, yeah, the week right. before we get knocked out or something so um yeah the, i've been able to have adequate rest and then recover and then get back so mm. i think you know being married to a physio helps yeah yeah um you know get good advice from her she's um em's pretty helpful there at home uh doesn't like to treat at home she'll make me go into the physio for that but um <laughs> but she's happy to you know i often go up to her and say can you diagnose me please <laughs> knees sore tell me what's wrong and she'll let me know whether I need to go in and get it checked out or not. So yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's pretty handy. Um, so yeah, just um, I, I guess the big thing for me is, I guess tell me the re- uh, well, I don't want to say the reason why the Reds picked you because that sounds a bit sounds a bit rude. But um, I guess there's a lot of good hookers lately in the Shoot Shield that's been uh, picked to play Super Rugby this year, probably because of COVID. And a lot of guys like Fitzy this year retired. He went overseas. Mm, there's been a bit of room. There's been yeah. a bit of room. Um, and Tom Horton in the Wallaby team, which we'll get to later, I probably think that really should have been Fitzy's role if he was there. Because I, I, you know, for me, I, I, just for me, I mean, Fitzy had a – he sort of ticked all my boxes as a hooker, a similar way as you do. I mean, like he gets around the park well, good ball carrier, um, you know, as a leader on the field. <laughs> He's a lot quicker than I am. A lot, lot quicker than you are, but yeah. <laughs> um, but also, well, that's right. But also, you know, set piece time is, is almost flawless as well. Mm, agreed. Um, where a lot of these other guys uh, seem to have, they have one or two aspects which are really cool. Maybe they're dominant in tackles or, or dominant in ball carrying, but their set piece sort of isn't, isn't up to scratch. And I think, you know, in rugby, 50% of it's set piece. So if you can do that, you're really well. So for me, I maybe even like a third hooker, I thought Fitzy probably would have had a good chance. Um, but obviously now he's doing a great job with Bondi Vite uh, with his new business he started. So go check that out, team. Uh, but yeah, for you, mate, uh, tell, tell us tell us what the process was of the Reds sort of signing you or, or stuff like that. Yeah, it happened really quickly. Uh, I was just sitting at home doing some schoolwork on a Wednesday night and got a phone call from a manager saying, hey, mate, like the Reds want you. Um, 
I'd seen a few friends of mine, um, guys that I played at NRC with, et cetera, um, get full, full-time contracts off the back of the 2019 season. Yeah. And I wasn't really like actively searching for a contract at that point. I was pretty comfortable where I was at school. Um, you know, like, you know, my job had a, had a good job and, um, and then seeing them get their chance at full-time footy, um, I was like, oh, wow, like if they can do it, mate, I, I should be doing that too. Um, and I, and I thought I'd rather give it a go than, um, you know, sit there telling my kids, oh, I could have done this, you know, back in my day. So, um, yeah, so I kind of, I was actively pursuing it. And then, um, so my manager was kind of checking things out. And uh, yeah, they had the injury, and you gave me a call. I said, "Mate, they want you. Um, yeah, let me know. You, you got to ask school. Like, can you do it?" Um, and so the next day, I, I called my boss on the way into work, and my, my immediate boss was kind of a bit like, "Oh, I don't know, man. Like, it's it's week one of school. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty early to jump ship." Um, and then he said, "Look, talk to the deputy, and you know, he can kind of make the final call." And luckily, our, our deputy at Barker used to play like professional AFL or something, so yeah, right. he was a good man, and um, and he. Was very happy. He said, "Oh, mate, of course, go. You know, take your opportunity." <laughs> and so, uh, and so, you know, they all got on board. And I was luckily. I, there's a great man, uh, Rev Ways, um, being at Barker for years, and um, yeah, he he stepped in, pretty much took all my classes. So it, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have been able to go. So him being such a, a generous man with his time, kind of allowed me to go. So I've got him to thank. Um, but yeah, and so that was it. So I got the call Wednesday night, and then Friday morning, I was at the airport waiting to waiting to head off to. Uh, straight to Johannesburg because that um they'd played their game at Canberra round one and then round two was um in Johannesburg so um I jumped on the plane and had a couple of long flights um both in uh business class which I wasn't expecting oh, unreal I was in the full kit like Qantas <laughs> pajamas yeah right uh, yeah, enjoying that and then um yeah linked up with the team late at night um, yeah, cool. and they played the next day and so when they played I was severely jet lagged um. And then we got home. I think it was about five a.m. in my head, and they were all like, "Oh, let's go out. Let's all, let's all have a time in in South Africa." And I was like, "Boys, I can't. I'm going home." So I uh, yeah, cool. Yeah, just slapped that one off. But uh, yeah, so it happened really quick. So it went from you know in bed doing schoolwork on Wednesday night to Johannesburg Friday afternoon. Sensational. Mm. Um. So uh, what was what was the uh? Well, firstly, actually, on you mentioned manager. How did how did that come about? Did you, did someone come and seek you out, or how did how did that work? Yeah. Uh, I've been in contact with a manager um, since I pl- after I played schoolboys. Um, so Jimmy Hilgendorf is a, an old Eastwood bloke. He's played Super Rugby, you know, most of the clubs, uh, and he's he's now retired and just kind of works as a teacher at Kings. Um, and so he, um, yeah, just got me under his wing, and um, I was kind of officially signed with him for a couple of years. Um, although obviously, you know, never really utilised his services initially because I was happy to just plug it away at club footy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so he's he's been a good man, helped me there, and he's still kind of. I was, you know, on the phone to him yesterday, literally, you know, yeah, just cool. chatting footy things and what are my goals and that kind of stuff. So he's been pretty helpful. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess as well, um, just to go back to the story of of, of you going to Joburg, uh, what was the what was the team's reaction to to a new guy? I'm sure with a lot of uh, with a lot of um, injuries and stuff like that, some people are comfortable in their spots, maybe with their roommates or whatever. So what was the team's reaction to you coming in? Oh, it was lovely. Um, you know, the, the captain Liam Wright. He um, he reached out and sent me a message. Um, I'd never played with him before. I had I'd been like, I was lucky that I've played with a few of them before. So Lucan Tui grew up in Sydney, and he played um, like CHS, you know, public schools rugby yeah, with right. me. Right. Okay. And um, same with BPA Brandon. Yeah. He um, he also played. We played together when I was 
No, he was playing flanker and I was playing hooker. Oh, right. When he was in year 12, I was in year 11 for CHS. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I played with a couple of fellas. Um, Brad Thorne gave me a call as well. That was pretty surreal. Wow. I, was just, I was just driving, you know, driving home Thursday once, you know, all the contract was, was sorted and, yeah, I got a little... So hey, my mate, hey, mate, it's said, Brad Thorne. Yeah, Brad Thorne. Yeah, that's, <laughs> you're not right. Exactly how he sounds. He's a good man. Um, but yeah, but so, you know, when, when we got there, it was all good. Um, I ended up, you know, rooming with the other third string hooker. Okay. Um, and so, so Sean, and so we were, you know, roomed for a week together in, um, in Buenos Aires and he was on the bench both weeks. So right. the first, you know, the first day I got there, you know, I'd been there. 10 hours and so obviously wasn't on the bench and the next week he was still on the bench as well um and then yeah they end up um picking me for the the games after that but um yeah so that was that was a little bit odd maybe kind of rooming with a guy that i was directly in competition for spots with <laughs> yeah. um yeah and he was really unlucky that he didn't get off the bench those games and i think he probably deserved to so he was a bit unlucky to not get a role there but um get a run but um at the time alex murphy was killing it he mm, was he was doing was. a really good job yeah um yeah, I think yeah, he's probably one of the guys I reckon has been pretty consistent for the last five years and could deserve a bit of a call up for rep duties. But um, but yeah, he's been killing it and he did a really good job the whole time I was there. Sensational. Yeah. Uh, I guess as well um, as a as a uh, hooker, um, what what do you see the difference from club level to Super Rugby level? Obviously, the speed and the physicality is probably increased, but is it more skill focused? Is it more specific? Is there any specific details that you would say is different from club footy to super rugby? I mean, it's all just rugby, isn't it? Like, you know, throw your lineouts, pack your scrums. Um, it's just the level of, the level of detail. Um, having coaches that are working full time so they can look at all of the other teams' lineouts and work out how we're going to defend that, what we're going to, what we're going to attack with. Um, and I think, Scrums is something that at club rugby you just kind of dig in and have a go. Mm. Uh, you know, we'll we'll do scrum a scrum session once a week. We'll pack five live scrums. Um, I mean, I guess you know East would we kind of take it a bit more easy because we know that on Saturday we'll turn up. But um, some clubs work a bit harder on scrums. But yeah, yeah so um, the, the level of detail. We'll watch videos of their scrums and we'll look for opportunities. And and that's something that you know at at club level, we might, you know, if they're getting demolished in a scrum, the coach will say, look, they get demolished, we're on for, for a good day here. But there's no real technical talk or, or understanding. Right. Okay. That's more just, you know, in between us players on the field working out. So, um, yeah, it was mostly just the pre-game video stuff, that the level of detail. Um, but learning, it's all just learn, rugby. It's all yeah, just rugby. It's all just rugby. I mean, yeah, so things like, yeah, learning the lineups and stuff, that, that takes a while. And me coming in, mid-season when they'd already kind of established all their moves because they slowly add, you know, move by move each week. They add some more things on. And so I came in, had to learn everything and found that really hard. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, so that, that was the most – and the times when I was on the field, that was the most stressful, um, just knowing I got to nail my role there. Jeez, um, yeah. But, you know, and then when you're just playing footy, the, the pressure's off because, you know, you can just, just play rugby and you'll be right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the detail, that's all it is, you know, like and you spend all of Monday watching videos – Taking um, notes. Yeah. yeah, you sit in a dark, warm room <laughs> trying to take notes and stay awake. With it's all the other boys, yeah. That's it's it. a recipe for disaster. Everyone has just fallen asleep. Yeah. <laughs> sensational. Um, yeah, who wouldn't want to play Super Rugby with a dark, dark room with 40 blokes in a room? Um, <laughs> no, look, I mean, that's, that's, that's phenomenal. Um, I, I, guess, I guess for a lot of the viewers, um, or the listeners, I should say, not viewers, um, you know, it's good. It's good to get a bit of insight because, you know, like for me, for example, like I've 
never been in that situation, I'd have no idea. Um, so it, it's good to hear um, that no matter what level you're at, it, it's like you get up to play because you love it. You know what I mean? That's and and uh, and I guess on that. Um, what what made you fall in love with rugby? Was there was there something specific that you thought this is this is really cool? Mate, it was uh it was just a whole lifetime of rugby. Uh, I grew up. My dad uh, has played. I think he's probably close to four hundred games for Kings Old Boys. So I've been that you know did five or something at the moment. Um, and so I grew up on the sidelines down at Kings. He didn't go to Kings. He went to a different school, but um just ended up playing there. Um, and so I grew up with a footy in the hand on the sideline. You know, watching blokes playing footy, sinking twoies, um, singing their songs after the game, like having a good time. So, and mum was happy to just, you know, let me go with dad and just sit on the sideline, do whatever I want. Um, mum always tells me, I think when I was like three or something, I told her when I grow up, I want to be a scrum. Cause I just thought it was the coolest <laughs> thing ever. Just a bunch of blokes in there getting real low to the ground, like pushing, like, I don't know. I just, I just something about it I like. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, just, just seeing the community aspect. So like even, even when I'm playing, you know, First grade footy where there's some pressure on or, or even, you know, super rugby. It's maybe a little bit of a different kettle of fish super rugby. But, you know, if I'm not enjoying footy, then there's no point. So yeah. I, I like to, you know, have fun and, and make sure I enjoy it. And I find the times that I'm, you know, having a good time is when I'm playing the best. Mm. So, you know, like mm. some people feed off aggression. They feed off anger. You know, if, if, if someone swears at them and gets them up, you know, that, you know that, that's what they feed off. But I've just always fed off just having a good time. Like if I'm... Joking and laughing in the change room, I'm going to have a good game. Um, and so I'm a little bit different in that aspect. And it's not really, I mean, maybe it's not a recipe for success. Usually successful players are ones that are really aggressive and And so I'm a bit more relaxed, uh, which yeah, definitely is a downfall in some respects. But um, it just means I enjoy my footy. And, and like, you know, when I was up there at Queensland, I was you know, very well aware of how privileged and how lucky I was to be playing footy full time. Um, and just like, you know, experience, like and all the guys there, they're all, they're all really young. Um, yeah. the average age, age of the team is like 22 or something when you take in the whole squad. Far out. Um, and so there's a few older blokes, you know, like Ryan Smith and, and, um, James O'Connor and those kind of guys, but most of the guys are 24, 23, um, or younger, the extended squad. Most of them are younger. So, um, that a lot of them left high school. They all play GPS, so they all know each other, which is great because it means they've got connections already. And you know, like I think there's one, there's like one school where I think four or five of them played together. Wow! Like all in the same school, and they're all now Reds. Yeah, right. Um, so they've got good connection, but they left school, played under twenties for a year or two, and they worked part time. Maybe they did a bit of uni, and then got contracts because they're good footy players and they deserve it. Um, but they don't understand like how good they've got it. Mm. Like you know, going from trying to work full-time and then fit in gym as well as three training sessions a week and a game, you know, Saturday, taking up all day Saturday. Like, it's yeah, it's really hard. Um, and so being able to just do that full-time was, was crazy. And so, yeah, I think the attitude allowed me to kind of just enjoy that. Yeah, um, cool. And that's, and that's kind of what's driving me now to, to still keep training in and, and work hard so that maybe I can, you know, get that chance again. Sensational. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Well... Mate, that's 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 phenomenal. The other thing I wanted to ask you about as well, just quickly on the on the love of rugby was um, the tours. I mean, for me, we, Epping boys we were very fortunate enough. We had uh, two tours. We had the New Zealand tour and the C- Canadian tour as well. Um, I was fortunate enough to go to New Zealand one because I could afford it, so we, we went on that one. Um, but the Canada tour just looked phenomenal. It just seemed phenomenal mm. from everybody. Got a lot of good reviews from it. So, um, how did how did you 
react to that? Yeah, mate. Um, you know, footy tours are a great part of rugby. Um, some people think they're the best. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I enjoy them, but I also just love playing rugby no matter where it is. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I've been really lucky that, yeah, you know, being a public school, pretty random that we had um, tours. It was just based on having some really passionate coaches um, that kind of draw, drove that. Um, and, you know, some of whom I still catch up with. I still have, you know, breakfast with Bruce yeah, really? every, every now and then. Yeah, yeah our cool. first 15 coach. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and so I, I think, I'd, yeah, I really enjoyed tours. The, the Canada one was unreal. Um, I was year 11 at the time and just, yeah, had a good time. It was more of just a social tour, you know. We spent a couple yeah. of days at Whistler and skiing and, um, uh, you know, going to theme parks and other things. So it, it was more of a – it was less of a footy tour, more of a um, – <laughs> Just a bonding just a, trip. Yeah. Just a holiday trip, you know, yeah, what, right. everyone wearing this, having to wear the same uniform, you know. Yeah. Like it was more just a social outing. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I think, you know, because I've gotten late corpse to a few things, I've managed to pop to a few other places, you know, Manchester and um, uh, Buenos Aires and Joburg and all around Australia. But, um, you know, it's, it's good fun. And I even – got to say, like, the footy is probably the, my favourite part. Because I've I've gone to to Queensland twice and to no no to Queensland once and I've gone to Perth twice for no minutes, so like going there on the bench not playing any minutes. Uh. Sometimes that's been with like um you know the New South Wales twenties or with NRC teams and stuff, and and they're the trips that I I enjoy but I don't enjoy as much because it's the footy that you're really there that's for. It. That's um, it. But you know it's all part of it. and meeting blokes like I'm still friends on you know on Instagram stuff with blokes I met overseas. Um, and I, you know, I really enjoy seeing what they're up to and, um, I don't know, maybe one day I'll, I'll reconnect and catch up with them over there. Um, but yeah, I think tours are, are a pretty awesome part of rugby and they're pretty unique as well. Like yeah. not many other sports, um, you know, are so devoted to going out and having a good time with the lads. Um, I think, yeah, definitely something that's pretty special at rugby and I, I enjoy it, but, um, yeah, I think simply it's just the, the actual footy that, that is my, <laughs> my key highlight, which is maybe not so usual, but. Oh well, I mean it's 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 good to see, and I and I I like to think because we we uh, came from a public school that that's we we I won't say we love rugby more, but we have I think a deeper appreciation for it than someone maybe at a GPS school who's sort of in a sense forced to play it. We play it because we had an option to play rugby or soccer or whatever sport, go to the gym or whatever, but we chose rugby because we enjoy the game and love it for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come from you know, value. somewhat you, you could you know somewhat more humble humble beginnings, mm-hmm. um, and I think like when my you know when I did kind of sign up with a, with a manager off schoolboys, he was saying he he really likes signing you know kids that haven't come from the GPS or CAS system because they've um, shown that they're willing to work hard on their own, mm-hmm. you know. And so some of these guys that are given gym programs and given all these coaching structures and all this kind of stuff, when they leave high school, often they fall away a bit because they don't have that. Um, intrinsic motivation to keep going whereas it's the the blokes that have had to kind of create that on their own and just find their own sense of purpose and meaning um they're the ones that kind of thrive um in in the big wide world when they leave school yeah yeah definitely yeah. and you, you could see it as well i mean um like with you as you said before uh, i think and i think from from my time in, in new zealand i i i, I didn't really dedicate myself to the rugby and and it pro- probably my rugby probably suffered because of that and i truly believe nowadays you have to really dedicate yourself to rugby the hard part is though as an amateur is as you said before you have to pay for your own gym you got to you know buy your own food you got to do blah 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 mm. and i'm sure 
correct me if I'm wrong, when you're at the Reds, that was all sort of provided for you. So you just sort of showed up and just just, just changed, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, bar the food, they didn't give us that many meals. <laughs> I was kind of annoyed about And seeing as I left my wife here in, uh, in Sydney, I had to do a lot of cooking. I had to learn pretty fast. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's all it's all kind of provided for you, which is, you know, one hand, it's awesome, you know, like, and, you know, I've been thinking about, you know, if someone offered me, a, you know, like an extended squad um, gig, at a super club, would I, would I take it? And on one hand, like, you know, oh, it's, a, it's a pretty big pay cut and stuff. But on the other hand, you're doing what you love and you have the ability to just, you know, focus on rugby. Mm. And so even though you wouldn't be getting paid much, you know, just it's literally just paying the bills. You wouldn't save anything. It's it's still a year to, to focus on rugby in your body and, and and you know, be given the time and the structure to kind of just develop your body and properly get on some strength cycles and, and like, you know, develop. I mean, that's pretty pretty valuable. And so... You know, that's something that's worth the, the pay cut in the end. Sensation. Mm. All right, Eddie. So now we are going to go on to the uh, Wallaby squad. A, yeah. A, a, Let's have a listen. Very interesting. So as you said before, a lot of people uh, in this team, you've you've played with at Reds and, and, and through schoolboys and stuff like that. So the Wallaby squad for 2020, or at least for the Bredisloe, uh, the um, rugby championships coming up, uh, we'll start with Jermaine Ainsley, Alan Alatoa, Tom Banks, Angus Bell, uh, Dungunu, Farmacilli, Flaufanga, Jake Gordon, Ned Hannigan, Will Harrison, Dan Helipetti, Reese Hodge, Michael Hooper, Tom Horton, Trevor Hosea, Ikatao, uh, Harry Johnson Holmes, Coe Betty, uh, Noel Alicio, Jack Maddox, Tom Wright, oh, sorry, Tate McDermott, uh, Fraser McWright, James O'Connor, BPA, Hunter Pasami, uh, Jordan Pattaya, Matt Phillip, Joe Power, James Rand. Lucan, Salakai Loto, Pete Samu, Rod Simmons, Iro Simone, Scott Seo, Slipper, Swinton, Tamua, Tupo, Ulessi, Valentini, Nick White, Harry Wilson, Liam Wright, Tom Wright. Yeah. What an exciting squad. Yeah, a lot of a lot of youth in that squad. Which yeah. is which is which is great. And it's good to see a lot of kids uh getting their getting their um you know, their their start. Uh for me, I love a squad with I wouldn't say a lot of experience, but I think in, in, in a squad you need a, most important positions you need experience because I think if you just say, mm. say if you just had uh, Will Harrison there and it was just him and, and Noah and they didn't have O'Connor or Tamua there, it's pretty hard for them to be like, well, this is what Test Rugby's like because yeah. they sort of experience it mm. by you know through through failing essentially. Um, so I like the fact that they've got they've got um, you know experienced players there, but also. Like the front row, you've got like Jermaine Ainsley, and then you've got um, obviously Alatoa, Co, Slipper, Slipper, and then you've got Bell. You know, mm. So like yeah, a bit of youth, big bit of youth there to to come off the bench, and also as you said, this is a forty-four man squad. Like they get to learn off some of the best players in Australia. You mm. know, so, I think it's really important to have those mentors, those older blokes, um, and like yeah, from my short stint in Super, it's it's clear that yeah, having older fellas there, wiser heads, like is really important. Um, and they do a lot more than you'd think, um, especially you know in, in you know, behind the scenes kind of work and just team vibe, team morale. It's really helpful to have have those kind of blokes in there. Um, and I think also with the with the props, like front row is mature a lot later mm. as well. And so I think it's yeah, that's probably like kind of a middle aged team. That's not even that. Like you know, there's a lot of experienced props there, yeah. um, but I, I don't really think they've picked youth there. Despite picking Bell, he's the only exception. I think. Yeah, 100%. yeah. Everyone else there is earned there. 
earned their spot over a number of years. 100%. Uh, well, they've, they've, uh, ASICs have, and the Wallabies have named sort of like a fan 15. I think the fans voted on a poll. And their 15 is Alan Alatoa, Fainga, Tupo, uh, Salakai Loto, Philip. So that's type five. And then obviously Hooper as your captain at seven. Obviously, you uh, reckon? Well, I mean, he's, he's the captain, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah. have to put him on. Um, but within saying that, Liam Wright's played played a sensational year of footy. So he yeah. and he, Fraser and Fraser yeah. too. Yeah, it's, it's look, it's a very interesting. But they've they've got Hooper, Samu, and Wright. Mm. You can't go wrong with putting uh, McWright in there, or or really whoever, really. Um, and then your backs, you've got McDermott, O'Connor, Tamua, Pattaya, Dangunu, Banks, and Corbetti. Um, Mate, thoughts on that? Maybe just go through the forward pack because you know us two are big, uh, big yeah, backs. Yeah, so they've got what, Luca and Matt Phillip in the second row. Yeah, Luca and Matt Phillip second row. Yeah, I mean that's pretty that's pretty wise. Those guys, you know, Lucan's still only twenty four, but he's you know earned his stripes over the last few years. Um, and Matt Phillip hasn't had as much time in the Wallabies jersey as he probably could have. Mm. I think he's spent some time overseas, has he not? He did. He actually played a year in Christchurch, I believe. Oh, really? Or played a year for played a year in. It was definitely in New Zealand, but he's definitely spent some time overseas as well. Yeah, and then he's came came back. Been doing good things. I, I played against him in um in uh, the NRC when he was playing for the Rising. Um, and yeah, he's he's very good. You know, he does what he does, does it well. Um, and you know, he'll kind of do a good job, pretty consistent. A bit of a you know, a bit like Rob Simmons, but a few years younger. Yeah, right. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, and I think yeah, you can't go wrong with that front row. You know, Flowers earned his spot there. Row. He really has. Yeah. Um, and he's been pretty good with injuries as well. So he's been consistent and and um, just performed well. And um, Tupo's the best prop in the world. Yeah, hundred percent. He could do everything, can't? Yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah, and the turn of speed he's got. What's, yeah, it's what's ridiculous. He's just got cannons on his legs. <laughs> <They're> just, <laughs> just powerful legs. Yeah, yeah, oh, mate. Uh, the disgusting just to look at. I just go, geez, how big are his legs, man? Um, uh, who would be your loose head? Would you go Slipper? Would you go Seo? Who do you reckon? I mean, they've got Alan Alatoa here who's more of a tight head, but mm. who would you who would you have as your loose head? Uh, I reckon oh, they've all got positive, positives and negatives. Um, Slipper, Slipper goes well. Um, Seo, I think, is, at times has been somewhat inconsistent, potentially. Now, you know, I'm kind of being careful here because I don't want to I don't want to talk too much smack. Like they're they're all really good footy players That's and it. far better than I am. That's it. Um, but uh, and I've I've spent a bit of time at Loosehead this year. Actually, I've packed a few scrums, um, and so I've got a new appreciation for what they do. So I reckon yeah, Alan Alatoa has got to be the the correct call there. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's you know good at the scrum, keeps it up, doesn't you know he's not one to to collapse it and try and be a bit sneaky there. The you know the the dark magic he works on the left there. Uh, uh, you know, goes well. He, he just does a good job. Sensational, sensational. I mean, I think f- uh, who would also uh, being the, uh, the fantastic hooker that you are, mate. Who would you have as your obviously Flowerfinger as your starting hooker? Who would who would you put on the bench? BPA or Tommy Horton? Mm, I reckon. I think. Look, I mean, I'd, I've never played it, so I don't know. But at the at the international level, you know, weight. Is it's a pretty boring thing to, to talk about, but it, it is a kind of something, something you got to think about. Um, and I think Tom Horton's done so well this year, mm. and, I, and I've, I've kind of you know, it's I've enjoyed seeing him do well, but I've also hated it because like him and I aren't aren't too dissimilar. You know, we, before he got picked for Super, we were kind of in a similar boat. We were both just playing first grade, and so me seeing him do so well is really encouraging because I go, well, you know, I'm not that far off. Mm. Um, 
and but it also kind of hurts me because I'm like, oh, that could that could have been me. You know, yeah. had you know had some things been different, that could have been me. Um, so I don't know. It, it'd be exciting to see what he, you know. He's good with ball in hand. He's a really mm. tough lad. Um, mm. uh, Brandon's been pretty well. I think Brandon's been consistent over a couple of years, and he's he's you know been in the Wallabies camps you know for a number of years as well. So I, yeah, I don't know because he, he's kind of. You pick an experience, but also youth there because yeah. he's young, but he's played a lot of games. So yeah, he's only 24, 25 as well. So, um, yeah, I'd be picking Brandon. I, I think. think he's reached double figures in caps as well for Australia. I'm pretty sure. So I think I'm, I'm or if he's not, if he's not double figures, it'd be pretty close. It'd be because he's come off the bench a lot. I think he's played a couple. I started a couple. I think the first year he got picked, he started two or three games, and then I'm pretty sure he just come off the bench. Yeah, right, maybe. A couple of times. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, but, um, yeah, but, yeah, but he's, 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 as you said, he's, he's very young, but also very experienced in that role. Um, yeah, mate, look, that's 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 phenomenal. I mean, yeah. I, I like a – the other question I wanted to ask you is maybe maybe uh, maybe you know this probably better than I do. Would it change? Would the people who they pick in the front row change depending on the teams that they play? Yeah. Yeah, sometimes. In the, in the past, like when they're playing South Africa, a bunch of bigger bodies, they've, they've picked certain players. Um, and they usually, you know, go for the bigger ones. I mean, at least uh, like Super Rugby teams do that sometimes. They'll, they'll pick their bigger players when they're playing against South African teams. Um, yeah, that, they could. I, I think the biggest the biggest question mark there is like the back row. Like, do you pick do you pick Wilson yeah. at eight? Like, he's he had a pretty standout year. Um, yeah. Or, but you know, maybe you know him never having played a game before, he might be a bit, you know, yeah. I don't know, like agitated, like yeah. It might, you know, maybe going for experience there could be better, but geez, he's exciting. And even, even like, there's not much separating Fraser and Hooper. Yeah. Um, yeah. In terms of stats. Um, yeah. But like, I don't know, it's, it's pretty hard not to pick Hooper, isn't it? Cause like, he's never done anything wrong. Like, yeah. he, just, <laughs> he just works so hard. Yeah. You can't fault him. Yeah. And so trying to say someone's better than him, like, sure, they might be as good, but. Like it's not like he's going to do a bad job. Yeah, exactly <laughs> he's right. always going to do well. It's, it's well. I mean, that's and it's probably. I mean, but that's what you want as your sevens. I mean, for a long time we've had Hooper and Pocock, uh, but for mine they both offer different things. Obviously, Pocock was was probably a lot better over the ball, and Hooper just got it, got the work rate round. But it's good to sort of have a guy who's essentially the same at the same position. You know, yeah. it's sort of like that Phil Ward, George Smith type flankers. Yeah, Although, sort yeah. Of thing. They're they're both very good ball in hand, mm. um, and that's got to be yeah one of Fraser's strengths as well. He loves carrying with the ball, and he finds himself in space with the ball a lot because he's just a great support player. You know, if someone makes a break, he's always right there. Um, and he like he does that at training. He does that in the game. It's just who he is. Like he just loves it. He just kind of seeks that ball. Um, and so yeah, I, I don't know. I think you you do well picking either bloke. Um, but then I guess, you know, it might be what we don't see behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, and I've heard, you know, Hooper does a lot of work for the team behind the scenes. Um, and the blokes that are in the squad, they all agree that he deserves to be where he is. So, um, yeah, I guess, you know, you can't really fault that selection. That's pretty good. But, yeah, I just consider whether to put – I think Wright is, is good at six there. Um, you know, he's he's decent jumper um, and, you know, cool head considering his age. Um, but, yeah, I'd, I'd consider putting – Putting Wilso at eight because he's yeah, right. just an absolute gun. Heard it here first from the future Wallaby coach, eh? How good. <laughs> Wallaby coach? <laughs> I'll play either or, mate. Oh, um, in my dreams. <laughs> um, look, just very quickly, I mean, I've, I've noticed, uh, as I've told you, um, I, I, and as you know, I've spent a year in New Zealand and got to see how the ITM Cup works over there. Um, from someone who's played in the NRC, uh, how, I mean, it seems like they're sort of part-time players and they're like, it's almost like essentially just club footy. 
Um, what do do you reckon that's a sustainable model? Do you reckon they could change it? In, well, it's in it's a club footy, but without the fans. Yeah. <laughs> You're playing to you know uh, a man, his wife, and their dog, and that's about it. Yeah. Um, no, it, it's it's very hard to compare to the ITM Cup or even the Curry Cup, you know, in South Africa because yeah. they've just been going for a long time, and and they, you know, people kind of care about the teams, and it, it's very hard to manufacture that. Mm. Um, and so, like, yeah, we, we'd be playing. So I played for Sydney last year, and we'd be playing at Eastern Suburbs to. Like, you know, when we started, you know, the start of the game, there's a few less people there because people haven't rocked up yet, whatever, and we'd literally be playing to, like, 40 people, which, you know, that's not rugby is about, I guess. Like, it's not about, you know, the glory, but, um, yeah, that's kind of what separates uh, club rugby from NRC. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's a a good model in that, like, you know, it's important to have a stepping stone. And for guys like me, so I was playing in the Sydney team and, you know, maybe a quarter of the team were full-time Tars players, so they'd be training for the Tars during the day, We'd all work our full-time jobs during the day, and then we'd rock up at you know five six p.m. The Tars blokes would get out of their Tars kit, put their Sydney kit on, and then we'd train together, kind of as equals. Um, and so that it was kind of cool that you know blokes like me got a, got a chance. And as I said, you know some other guys in my position were able to you know leapfrog from there into Super Rugby contracts. Um, and so you know it works to an extent. Um, the the only problem is when Super teams don't give it like the. You know, don't give it the des- the respect it deserves. In that, a lot of the teams, and I, I guess this is maybe it's a bit petty to, to bring it up, but like a lot of teams will kind of select their players before the comps even started. Yeah, and yeah. then they'll wait for them to play NRC, and then at the end of NRC or halfway through, they'll put up a highlights video of them playing NRC and say, <laughs> "Look, we've we've selected this bloke on, on based on his you know performance." Yeah, and it's like, well, you no, selected you, him before that. Yeah, yeah you right. selected him straight out of club rugby or because he knows a knows a guy yeah. or his his old coach is now a super coach or something. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a little bit of that, and I've heard some guys, you know, like one of one of the best plays in our comp at the moment, um, Knox uh, Inoka Mulufi, um, he's an outside center for Eastwood. Is one of the best at centers in the comp, and everyone everyone agrees. But going into NRC, um, you know, they got the inside word and kind of looked at all the super clubs, realized their rosters were full, and there was no spots available. And he kind of said, "Well, I'm not going to risk getting injured and 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 taking time away yeah. from my job when there's nothing to gain from it." And you could argue, you know, the experience playing footy and you know, touring around a bit, like we had a bit of fun as an NRC team. I, you know, I really enjoyed it. But he decided for me it's not worth it because, you know, I don't want to leave my family, don't want to go on all these over, overnight trips, you know, around the country. Um, and so, yeah, so it's, it's a good – obviously it's not running this year because of COVID and stuff. Yeah. Um, is the ITM Cup still – ITM Cup's They're playing off. right yeah. – and they've yeah. even – theirs is awesome because they've got all these, like, super players back. And so yeah. the comp's just going, going crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's – yeah, it's just – too hard for us to manufacture. I don't really have any solutions. Um, <laughs> no, look, I mean, like it's, it, and I think that's right. I mean, it's hard to just say, look, we're going to have a national rugby comp when, and then they go, well, we're going to pick people from, say, like when we had the Greatest Sydney Rams, we had like mm-hmm. Harbour, Para, Eastwood, and then yeah, we're going to put like them all together. Location. Yeah, we're going, we're going to put them all together, and then that's the team you support. Well, if if you go for Harbour. Or if you're a Penrith fan and you're playing Parramatta, I mean that's the Battle of the West. Well, you know, you are the coming together. It's just this big sort of. It's just yeah. It's just oh, that's it's, it's sort of, that's got to be better for rugby in the long term. You would think so. You would and think like, so. I love I love coming against blokes that you know we've played with in the past. On the weekend we played Rats, and I was playing against Rory O'Connor, who's yep. a who's a really good um, loose head, um, and he uh, you know had a lot of success. Like you know we played together. We both started all the Sydney games. Um, and he's a really good scrummager. 
and we just absolutely dicked him on the weekend. <laughs> the poor fella, like he came on at half time because he's just coming back from overseas. Um, and, uh, and their scrum was having a bad time and he came on and was doing some okay things, but the ref just, you know, couldn't give him the advantage. And so it was, and then after the game, we had a chat about it and like, you know, it's really nice coming up against people that you kind of could be enemies against, but you're, uh, instead you're, you're friends rather than foes. Yeah. So, and that's part of rugby, you know, it's, it's good to, it's good to be mates after, after the game. That's it. I mean, I mean, look as well from rugby. The, the well, one of the biggest takeaways I've I've got from rugby uh, is the is where you off the field as well. I mean, rugby. Is, I see it a lot, probably probably a little bit more at subbies level than I probably do at uh, shoot shield level. And the only reason I say that, and, and probably threes and fours, which is probably a little bit more social sort of shoot shield in the shoot shield clubs. Uh, for me, I actually like the model that they're doing now with Harbour and, and with Parra and Penrith as sort of getting the, the you know top two teams sort of having that squad and then maybe two Colts teams having that squad. Uh, only for me as a rugby fan because the best players are playing in the shoot shield. So you want you want to almost promote that. And then from there, there's a pathway to super rugby or to an overseas contract or, or whatever. And for me, that uh, I mean, again, this is just me, that it goes for... That seems a little bit more sustainable over the long term. Yeah, right. And and that way, the people that if they want to play subbies, they can play subbies. Now, obviously, the way I would structure it is I would have, say, Central Eastwood or Epping Rams, for example. Um, you bring some of the threes and fours down to Epping Rams. They feed into Eastwood, or or you know, like it's sort of like how the junior pathways run here. Yeah. Um, and the, again, the only reason I say that is because I think it would take a little bit more. Uh, onus away from sort of like the Sydney Uni and the Ramwicks of the 80s where they're just poaching all these good players from out west and blah 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 like you actually have to what your junior club was or what club you're aligned with is what you play with and for me um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this for me I think that just is is probably in the long run more sustainable that's what they do in New Zealand so I I think for me um, and then then if you want to have NRC there as another external pathway that's how you sort of build it up from there so that's that's just what what are your thoughts? Yeah, on? yeah. I mean, there's some positives and negatives. Like, you know, I mean, I, I'm in the position where I'd be playing, you know, in in the shoot shield club. Um, uh, but I know there's a lot of blokes. Uh, it'd just be hard to bring in. Like, yeah, I know that's the, true. the blokes at Eastwood, and they're usually the guys that are the most sentimental about their club. The the guys playing fourth yeah, grade, third yeah. grade, they could be playing subbies. They could just retire, but they they still want to get around it because I mean, a lot of the a lot of the time, it's you know maybe they've had a kid and they want some time out of the house, yeah. Or or they've you know they've played first grade for a number of years and they're kind of you know heading down and just just still being active but not pursuing it. Um, so like I mean that could that could work and I think the idea of shoot shield clubs and subbies clubs um, being more connected is is definitely something that could be um, yeah well, you know could be fostered and worked on a bit more. Um, but yeah, I, I, you'd just be so tough to introduce. Like, <laughs> yeah, and true. like we got we got guys in fourth grade that have played first grade. We we had a guy a couple of years ago start the year in fourth grade, play third grade, second grade, first grade, and then ended up playing for the Rams. Yeah. Like you know, from fourth grade to NRC in one season, which would still be possible at a you know if they started in a subbies club. Yeah. Um, but it'd be pretty tough to say to you know your old Epping Rams, hey, we need your star number eight this week to play second grade. Yeah, That'd be like you're kidding, true. you're yeah. kidding, you know, like yeah, uh, that's true. It kind of be hard, but I'm, I'm I'm interested how it works in New Zealand. So has it? Do you know if it's always been that way? Yeah, so from from so basically what they do is and uh, they take the schools out. So basically, all schools play each other in mm. this national sort of competition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so 
we went to Epic. So like, instead of playing the Waratah Cup or the Waratah Shield, we'd play like Joey's or Scott's or whatever, and then maybe play like some GPS school up in Queensland. Uh, but their clubs, so then they picked, so then from from when I was in New Zealand, the people who were sort of local to that club, or so, sort of like jo- like joining your local club, they would come into, I was playing for Sydenham, so they would come into Sydenham and they'd be like, okay, this is, you know, they play what they call Div 1, which is first grade, and then Div 2, which is second grade, essentially. And then Div 3, 4, 5 was social, essentially. But like if you were Div 1, Div 2, you were training four or five nights a week, you were, you know, you were yeah. really sort of, going going full tilt um and then from there you would get selected into canterbury um and then that's sort of your sort of pathway essentially but essentially and canterbury is that the itm cup team yeah so canterbury is the itm cup team so th- so they have itm sort of like how they would or the equivalent here would be tars to shoot shield that's sort of how it would work um but they don't really have two separate competitions like they have a div one comp which is Every team that plays have to have, have to have a Div One comp, and then they have some like first grade teams in the Div Two comp, but a lot of it's like second grade sort of thing. They don't really have kind of like a subbies and a and a shoot shield. It's it's. I think they, I think if you saw if you were sort of to explain it to a, a Kiwi or a South African, maybe there's a bit of a separation with elitism. Maybe that's probably the thoughts on it. Maybe looking from at it externally yeah. um but i mean i, I could i could go on a thousand <laughs> it sounds like you're passionate about these thoughts oh uh, well look, yeah. I, look for me it's 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 again like i mean anything that we can try to do to to i don't want to say fix rugby because rugby is rugby as you said like it's i mean it, it, the best players on the park will, will evidently get picked um but i think there's a there's a lot of guys, and I'm sure you've you've had the same experience too. There's a lot of guys who you've you've probably known at, at your age who might have been a flanker or a hooker at at Joey's and maybe made one Joey's one GPS and who've fallen off the face of the earth. Maybe they're playing fourth grade because they're probably, to be honest, maybe not good enough. And you've gone to Epping, and maybe the opportunities you might not have had at Epping, or you know, or somebody else might be sort of like average at Epping, or average at a CHS level, and then they go to uh, like a Norse or a Gordon or Ringer or whatever, and it's it's taken them a while to get their opportunity based on their quote unquote pedigree. Um, and and, and uh, there is a bit of that. I think there's a bit of that in every in every sport. To be honest, like obviously if you if you play Super Rugby, you can't ask them to play second grade if you know old mates. If you well, know, it depends what club you're at. Sometimes well, they have yeah. to. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, your Sydney unis. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, shots fired. No, um, um, yeah. Well, exactly right. But I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess, if you were to play at Eastwood, for example, if you, as you said, you've got you know Hugh Roach and, and Fitzy, if they're coming down, you can't just be like, well, we've got Ed, so you guys are playing second and third grade, like you know. So, um, and that's fine. Like I can, I can understand that. But I think, I think. Uh, or at least, at least from my experience, looking out from outside of school, it was sort of um, put your hand up if you've played higher on it. Okay, cool. Well, you guys are in the A's team, which is fine because you I mean there's a trust that those guys know what they're doing and their development's probably higher than what you are. But I think sometimes in rugby, when you try to explain the ethos in rugby, you need to explain the the camaraderie in the sense of you're picking the best players on the day, not. Well, this guy played twenties three years ago, or this guy, you know, played Joey's three years ago, or something like that. You know, yeah, yeah. I think like like you know, I, I coach under fourteens at my school, um, 
And, you know, the way we picked the team, you know, at the start of the season, I didn't know anything from Barra Soap. So I had to say, all right, if you're in the A's last year, stand here. If you're in the B's last year, stand here. If you're in the C, stand here, whatever. And then I think it's on the coach. It's the onus is on the coach to then, once they've got that, you know, work out if they st- if they still deserve that spot or if, if there's a B's player that's better. Um, and I was I was a I was a big fan of you know bringing up B's guys that were, were talented or maybe a C guy who's come from AFL and was just an athlete or something. Mm. Um, and so that's kind of me doing that as a coach on a small scale. I think that's got to be the same in uh, in rugby. So like. You know, like we're lucky at Easter, we got this guy John Menenti. They call him the Godfather of Easter rugby. Mm. He's there watching thirds, you know, seconds Colts all the way through to first grade, um, and he's the guy that'll kind of help aid selection. So he, his pure job is kind of an overseer. Um, and I think if mo- if clubs have a guy like that, or at least just if the coaches make sure they spend the time to get there and watch the game before, they'll be able to actually make educated, informed decisions and say, "Oh, this guy's actually red hot. He deserves a crack." Um, rather than just picking the same guy who's doing the same, you know, half or right job. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't know whether it's a systematic problem. It's probably more just a, you know, coaches just picking things because that's what they've always done. Yeah. You know, rugby is a very tradi- traditional sport, and I think, um, you know, people don't like change. Mm. Um, mm. And that's uh, that's one of the things that I think might kind of stop this this kind of New Zealand. Um, you know, format being, yeah. being involved is that people people love just playing fourth grade Eastwood. They love playing fourth 100%. grade, you know, uni or playing fourth, you know, whatever club it is. Um, and I think it'd be tough to to pull them away and to not let them watch, you know, the blokes they grew up playing with play first grade, or to not let them get like, you know, and even like trainings, like you know, Thursdays, uh, we got a club like a like an RSL almost kind of at our footy field. And so it's open on a Thursday. And so after training, a bunch of us will go up and, you know, have, have food. It's called wings. So we go and have wings. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we're there, you know, first grade through to fourth grade. Everyone's there just chatting. Like, um, that's kind of what it's all about. And especially a lot of blokes grow up and some guys stay in fourth grade. Some guys go to first grade. And like, you know, I think it's, it's kind of nice. I, I like having a club that has heaps of teams in it. hundred um, percent. Yeah. And so there's, yeah, there's, there's aspects that you'd lose if we switched our model. Um, but, you know, there's positives and negatives to everything. Yeah, so. yeah 100%, 100%. I mean, look, for me as well, I think I think, uh, I think, think there's a lot of people who... I think a lot of it sort of stems from sort of junior rugby, I think, and maybe maybe uh, the selection criteria into some of the rep sides as well. Um, I, I noticed growing up uh, playing for Hunters Hill and Jermoyne that in our... Uh, and so Norse was Norse were our rep team, yeah. and I noticed a little bit more that those players who played for Hunters Hill and Jamoyne would get picked, probably a little bit or favoured a little bit more than the other clubs. So, and like if you're a gun in like Linfield or Mossman or whatever, or sorry, it was it was um, Hunters Hill and Mossman, sorry, but um, if you're a gun in like Jamoyne or whatever, that obviously pick you. But it was just sort of like. Because I think the coaches were from Hunters Hill or, or or Mossman or something like that, so they sort of already had in their head, well, this guy I know he's he's my gun scrummager, so I'm pick him. And but you know the guy in Dremoyne might actually be better. So um, I'm not sure whether it stems from that, but it just seems on the outside looking in that a lot of other countries probably have it. I think it's more structured in a lot of other countries. They just go right here. The pathways are clear. Here it is, boom, boom, see you later. That's how you get to, to being in all black. Um, and in Australia, now obviously we have to compete with four different sports codes yeah. and, and all that sort of stuff. So there's a lot of talent that we lose anyway. Um, 
so it, it, yeah, I it's, it's just an interesting conversation. Yeah, to have, it, really. yeah, it does work. Some we got um we got our, our fullback this year, Chris Bell. He's been plucked out of Petersham. Our coach yeah, heard right. he, was, he was a good heard he was on fire. Messaged him and he's come and now he's our starting fullback and he plays ten half the time. Like um, there is that kind of you know connection sometimes. Yeah, when, when there's a really good player and, and there's a need, you know, yeah. we, we needed some some red hot backs so. Um, you know, it does happen sometimes, but yeah, there's not much of a connection there. And to be honest, like, I don't think my dad would, like, my dad still runs around playing subbies. I don't think he would care if, if, you know, their club leads into a, a shoot shield team or not. He just yeah. wants to have some fun with yeah, his mates. 100%. And, 100%. And, yeah, I know. It's, it's not too bad as is. As long as people are playing rugby and, yeah. you know, as long as on the field playing and getting the life lessons, like, there's, there's no other sport that teaches you selflessness like footy does, you mm. know? Like, the idea that you've got to hit a ruck. Do the hard work so that your winger can score and get all the glory, and you be happy with that. Like yeah. that's <laughs> like you're, you're putting your body on the line, doing yeah. hard work, possibly injuring yourself for some, you know, skinny winger to score and and, and get all the glory. Like yeah. that's yeah, you, like they count assists in soccer. Like, <laughs> like it's just the absolute opposite of being a team player. They're like, yeah, yeah I've got ten assists. Yeah. You know? Like so, I think yeah. yeah, as long as people are playing rugby and getting those life lessons, I don't care where they do it. Or, or or um or another example of that would be a, a certain hooker at the back of a Eastwood Eastwood rolling moor and falls over three times in a game like uh, like <laughs> someone did. Yeah. Do you want to tell me about that? Yeah, one? yeah. Well, I'm yeah, I'm on the back end of um of some good rolling moor tries. Uh, no, no, Flaufiango. Our, our rolling moor isn't you know quite to that standard, but That's right. yeah, it does help the old try tally <laughs> getting there. But uh, yeah, and it's like you know. The, that's, that's not my work. That's that's the second rowers and, and the props is anchoring down and, and working hard. And, and yeah. you literally can't even see the work they're doing. Yeah. But they're the ones that cause a rolling ball try. Yeah. Um, and everyone everyone gets around it when they score. Like, yeah. You score the backs come in and, you know, even when there's like a scrum penalty, something that we win, the backs will come in and give you bum taps. Yeah. Like that's, you know, it's just the team vibe. And, and I think it's something that's really unique to rugby. Um, and so, you know, even if, you know, my kids don't like footy. I'm going to give them a, give them a go at least, give them a taste of it. If they don't like it, they can do whatever they want. But, uh, you know, like it's just, yeah, you just can't, you just can't emulate it anywhere else. Like it just doesn't yeah. exist in the world. Like that kind of selflessness, putting your body on the line week in, week out for, for other people. Like, yeah. 100%. 100%. Well, Ed, mate, thank you so much for jumping on the rugby pod. Always, always a pleasure to catch up with you, mate. Thanks for having me, Nick. Uh, is there anything you want to promote or, uh, give a shout out to or? <laughs> Uh, keep your art for a for a hooker throwing ebook. <laughs> hooker throwing. Uh, working on a working on a little project, the hooker handbook. I think I'm gonna call it. Love that. That's uh, might be in the works. Um, if I can be bothered to finish it, <laughs> uh, that's about it. Beautiful, beautiful. So guys, go go check that out when it drops. Um, don't forget to follow the social medias as well. Uh, uh, underscore the rugby journey for my Instagram, and there's a Facebook page up and running course the rugby journey again Ed thank you so much for uh, jumping on the pod mate always a pleasure and good luck for the rest of the year thank you cheers